welcome to D-Block Talk. I am Mrs. Caddy Pacheco, and I am here with Mr. Mason, Mr. Landel, Mrs. Dandino, Mrs. Donnelly, and Mr. Pacheco. Welcome to episode two. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to check out episode one, because uh, we got some pretty good feedback on it. We're excited to bring you episode two, uh, and we wanted to share how everybody is doing. I'm great. I mean, honestly, uh, it's Mr. Mason, Jazzland over here. I'm really happy with the feedback we got last week for the podcast. So we're going to keep this thing rolling. Langel here doing all right. You know, just taking it one day at a time. I'm excited. I did not expect of this many people to be listening to the podcast. Um, so I am nervous. I've been doing all right. I've been uh, celebrating my son's birthday this past weekend. We had a social distance party, so things are pretty good over in the Dandino household. I am also excited that people actually listen to this podcast, especially to hear from so many alumni. Um, Our initial thought was to put this out for current students, but alums kind of responded better, and that made me really happy this week. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm doing really good, and I'm also kind of excited about the podcast and hearing other people's feedback because I don't know them. And so it's kind of cool to hear what other people think. Uh, It was my birthday recently. uh, So that was really awesome. Uh, Really glad to be back on the podcast. Glad it's doing well. All right. So if we had any department news, it would go here. But we don't have any department news today. Instead, we have a listener question. Hey, my name is Sarah. Um, class of 2019 represent, (laughs) um, just a quick question. Um, how would you describe your college experiences and preparedness to ultimately prepare you for where you are today? And any advice to any college student who's looking to fulfill the same thing? Thank you. Wow. Awesome question, Sarah. I think we can probably answer some of that today. It kind of goes along with the theme that we had already picked which was talking about why we became a performing arts teacher in the first place. Um, So I feel like uh, I went to UMass Dartmouth for undergrad and I was pretty well prepared for teaching music in schools, except for like teaching band. And luckily I met Mr. Pacheco and we hung out a lot in my first couple of years. I learned a lot about the craft of teaching band because he had a much different experience at uh, UMass Amherst. So I think one of the biggest things is like when you're in college, do as much as you can, as variety of musical ensembles and experiences as you can get while you're there. One of the biggest things too was like, as you go through your career, you pick up other things from other teachers and you're always taking ideas from other people. And I think that's, that's a post-college thing, but you can start in college learning from your peers. It's really important. Yeah. Mr. Mason, I, to piggyback off of that, I know that I feel blessed teaching with all of you. I have definitely learned from each and every single one of you. Um, there are things I do in my teaching that I don't, I don't even realize is something that I heard and saw for the first time from, you know, Mr. Mason or Mr. Langel. So I definitely agree that's something that is really important. And that's true, even if you're not studying education, like learning from your peers and what they're doing. Um, and then like what your professors are saying too. like, I imagine in the accounting world or in the, like, you know, if you're going for like your business degree, um, there are things to be learned from your peers as well, not necessarily just like what you're learning in lectures and in classes. Um, and for me personally, I became a performing arts teacher because um, I love music and I love sharing music with people. Yeah, I think that's a really cool response, Mr. Mason. Um, I think mine is really similar. I probably will find a lot of similar things uh, with these. Yeah. But for me, uh, my mom is a music teacher and um, 
she really early on, she actually created a program called the Music Mentoring Program, which um, gave like underprivileged kids and adults who couldn't afford music lessons, music lessons. So suddenly I found myself like forcibly teaching music lessons. Like my very first student was like an 85 year old drum player named Leroy and I taught him the snare drum and I was like in seventh grade and it was like, wow, I guess I just teach music now. Um, but I really <laughs> fell in love with teaching and I, I always loved music. I went to Gordon College um, and that was the right school for me. Um, it gave me a lot of one-on-one -on -one time. And I think the thing I appreciated the most was our like first month there, we went to a, a school for the, for the deaf and hearing impaired. Um, and we got to just teach music there. And it was like really challenging, but it also, it put us with real, we're real world um, difficulties and situations and just got oh, it into so the cool. classroom. Yeah. So, you know, it, like, I, I really want to echo what you were saying about do as much as you can, you know, get yourself into the classroom in a variety of classrooms as possible. And you'll find stuff that you're not comfortable with that you don't like, but you start to realize that this job is a lot of music, but it's also a lot about uh, just connecting with people and, um, and enabling them to be the best that they can be. I think that's the most satisfying part of um, being a teacher. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. That's really cool. I knew I was going to be a chorus teacher or music teacher when I was in seventh grade. Oh. That was the subject Ooh. area that I felt like I was always at home. And my mom was a teacher, so I knew I wanted to be a teacher. Um, and then I ended up going to Rhode Island College. I had a great experience there being involved in every ensemble. Again, like, like you're saying, having the opportunity to be in other groups that you didn't necessarily experience. Um, I was in band in middle school, but I was not at the high school level. So it was great to be in band and be in orchestra at college. The only thing it didn't prepare me for, because you have to remember... Um, back when I was in college, computers took up an entire room. So today, when we are dealing with all of this online instruction, um, that is a bit of a struggle. College did not prepare me for online teaching. Yeah, but Lynn, you have that growth mindset. And in the past five years or six years or so that I've worked with you, I've seen you become actually proficient with technology. Where You guys don't know, but when we first met Lynn, she had about 40 Google Chrome tabs open at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and now she's like recording podcasts remotely. Hashtag real talk. Yeah, you really have come like a long way. I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you guys. Um, it's really funny that you say you knew you wanted to be a course teacher in seventh grade because I knew I wanted to be a theater teacher in seventh grade. What? Um, yeah. Uh -huh. I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And when I, like since I was very, very little, I used to always play school. And when I realized that teachers got to teach the fun subjects too, like music and theater. Um, I thought like, well, that's cool. That's what I want to do. And then I went on a trip to Boston with my family to go see a show. And we came up the Boylston tea stop and I saw like the logo for Emerson college there, the little building at 80 Boylston shout out. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. This college is like right in the theater district. I wonder what they offer as majors. And I went home and jumped on our dial up internet and found that Emerson had a theater education major. And it was one of the only schools that actually offered theater education as a like legit standalone major for undergraduate students. And I set my heart on it. And then when I got in, I like lost my mind. Um, so that was a no brainer. Um, I really fell in love with studying um, like the adolescent mind and really figuring out like the best ways to shape curriculum and teaching um, for 
making it accessible for teenagers and lots of different age groups. Cause at this point I have taught pre-K through college. Um, so I am now in a master's program at BU on curriculum and teaching, which is super fascinating to partner with my theater education degree for me. Um, but my biggest form of advice for anyone studying anything in college would be to join student groups on campus in high school we don't think this in D-Block, but I feel like a lot of people think joining clubs is lame. And in college, it's the opposite. Joining clubs is A, where you make friends, and B, where you actually get to implement what you're learning in the classroom in the real world. And it's so important. So like your college may offer main stage performances or wind ensembles that you enroll in as a class. But what about just like making a band with your friends or grabbing a script and creating theater like in the park? Those things are super important, and those are just performing arts examples, but there are clubs for everything. Join them. Do them. It's awesome. That's so cool. Mm. Yeah. Um, so there's actually, a, like, a ton of reasons that I became a theater teacher. Um, one of them being just that I personally love everything about theater and doing theater and learning theater. Uh, and I like to share with others. So like, that was a big reason for me. But like the moment that I kind of decided that I wanted to be a theater teacher was when I took a children's theater class in college. And there were field trips that we went on that allowed us to actually share theater with kids who have not been exposed to theater at all. And I saw like growth even like within working with kids one time. And I was like, well, we could probably like make a big difference in people's lives by trying to do theater with them. So after um, undergrad, which I went to Eastern Connecticut State University, um, and I used pretty much all of the stuff I learned in my major there. Um, I tried to do theater with kids in after school programs, and I found that that wasn't enough for me. So then I went to Emerson um, also to get my theater education degree so that I can do it all day, every day. Um, so what I would say for people in college right now or about to be in college, because um, there were a lot of classes that I had to take that weren't theater classes, and I would say try to find something useful in those classes too, um, because theater is more than just like acting and directing, and you can kind of take things that you learn from everywhere into it to learn about pretty much everything you can learn in theater. I totally agree with that. Um, you know, do as really find enjoyment like in the law with different classes. I I like fell in love with science in after in college, and I didn't like science in high school um, because I had to take a a couple science courses, and I was like, whoa, this is so cool, and it just helps you just be learning. You learn that learning is really really fun. Um, so yeah, yeah. Thanks, Miss Donnelly. That spoke to me. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. So I like to joke that you know, band is life. I know some like students over the years have, you know, used that as a hashtag, hashtag band is life. Um, you know, I've been playing uh, instruments since I was, you know, six, seven years old. Uh, my dad was a band director for, you know, a couple different Portuguese community bands in New Bedford and Fall River. And, uh, you know, my sister, you know, still plays the clarinet, my brother-in-law and my sister uh, met through bands and, and everything. So and plenty of my cousins, my uncles, my aunts, my grandfather. Well, it's a family um, game. Oh, yeah. And I don't know that I was, like, definitely sure I was going to, you know, be a band director someday. Uh, I kind of want to say seventh grade was the time, just because that's what it sounded like everyone else's answers uh, <laughs> were. Um, but I honestly didn't really, I wasn't really sure until probably, like, later in high school. 
Um, and, you know, I ended up going to UMass Amherst, which, you know, for me was the right choice. Um, and I think what was uh, most inspirational was my opportunity to be in the UMass uh, Minuteman Marching Band. Uh, you know, the band typically had, you know, around 400 uh, students. And I think in my time there, I was a student leader. I was, uh, you know, baritone section leader and uh, various things uh, to see, you know, 400 people. Uh, only 60 or so were actually music majors. And many of the students came from all over campus, uh, pre-med majors, uh, pre-law, uh, engineering, you know, everything, everything you can think of. Um, and people from like literally all over the world uh, were coming to this campus and all coming together uh, to play. And I think that really uh, inspired me as I started preparing to be a teacher because it showed that, you know, it's possible. Like, you know, so many people, uh, you know, were doing this from the perspective of, you know, they want to be a professional trumpet player. And some people, this was just like a nice opportunity to do something different and fun. Um, you know, on campus, like Ms. Kajimachiko was referencing, like, you know, like different student clubs. And for me, that has, you know, made a lasting impact on, like, how I teach and how I approach teaching. Because I know every year there are always going to be kids that, you know, have various um, ability levels, uh, various talent levels, kids who are more or less interested. Um, and it's really cool, you know, whatever kids come in, they want to be in band or they want to play music. Um, they, put, you know, we put them together and, um, you know, we'll put out a good product and it will be a great uh, uh, experience for everyone because I know that that is what I experienced myself. Hashtag band. So I think Sarah's question is really interesting because uh, from the perspective of a college student, um, I actually have a student teacher this semester, uh, Brandon Chan, who is also a student at UMass Amherst, uh, but, you know, he's on the other end of it. He's finishing up his degree. So I think it'll be a good chance, a good opportunity to ask his, you know, thoughts on these questions. All right, let's welcome Mr. Chan. Thank you so much for being on our episode today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I feel very privileged to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a senior at UMass Amherst, studying music education. I play the clarinet, and uh, I do lots of things. I do marching band. I do all kinds of uh, different ensembles there. So tell us about like your college experiences, what you know, kind of prepared you for where you are today, and you know, what advice do you have for college students? Yeah, I think the best thing I found in my undergrad was I just did a lot of different things. You know, I did a lot of theater work. I did a lot of different ensembles, and I think that enabled me to connect with a lot of different kinds of people and different musicians and, and really take advantage of being surrounded by such talented musicians. If I had advice to give to some college students, I would just say to seek out really worthwhile experiences and not to be afraid of things if they think they might be a little difficult. Let me ask you, why did you become a performing arts teacher in the first place? It was two events in my life. Um, the first one was I went to a music festival and I saw how the classical music that we were playing had brought all of these families together and I realized how powerful music was for them. And then my senior year, I had my English teacher, she stopped me and said that she really enjoyed my presentations in class and said I should consider being a teacher. And I sort of connected those two ideas and went to college for it. So you've been doing some of our listening assignments for band and some of our music fundamentals classes. I've noticed you have some pretty cool musical taste. So why don't you tell us, like, what have you been listening to during this time? 
Yeah, that's like one of my favorite hobbies is like introducing people to music. So I've been listening to a lot of the Mahler symphonies right now. So specifically Mahler 9, the last one. And I've also been listening to this group, Busty and the Brass. They're like a funk pop brass group that I've been listening to. Oh, that's so cool. Well, thanks so much, Mr. Chan, for being on our podcast. You have been great. Good luck with the rest of your student teaching. And we wish you all the best of luck in the future. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I think it's time we change it up a little bit and do a different segment. Last week was a really successful treat yourself. Uh, and we figured this week uh, we would you know, pose a similar question. And we received this question. It was inspired by one of our New Bedford Public Schools elementary music teacher and New Bedford High School alum, Mr. Lee Dias. And his question inspired a variety of responses. And I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. His question was, what is your favorite sandwich? Oh, yeah. I actually caught a lot of heat from Mr. Diaz about this one because of my sandwich choices. Um, They're kind of basic. But this is the thing, right? Food to me is love, right? So my favorite sandwich has this whole backstory. And it begins in my young years on Cape Cod. I used to work at a place that had bumper boats, batting cages. You're outside for seven, eight hours at a time, but you got to eat your lunch out there. And like almost every single day, I would get this chicken parm sub from George's Pizza in Harwichport. And the bread is crunchy and toasted. The cheese is melted and gooey. The chicken is crispy. The sauce is delicious. And whenever I think about my favorite sandwich, the first thing I think about is this chicken parm sub. It has stuck with me for years. Every time I go back to the Cape, I go to that place and either get pizza or chicken parm subs. And like, it's, it's so, so classic, my like teenage formative years. You know, those, it's funny how our uh, growing up, the, the situations that affect us in our childhood affect our, our taste buds, because for some reason, I just loved meatball subs. And I think it's because like my, uh, my mom would always make them for me. I don't know. And then, but the thing is, I, for my sandwich, I would have my meatball sub with lettuce cheese, tomato, and mayonnaise, and that would be it always, and some people thought that was super gross with the mayo, but let me tell you, it is amazing, but as I grew older, I had to get adult tastes, and um, if, I guess a lot of people, I was catching some heat for this one, but the Cape Cod Reuben is a delicious sandwich. It is a sandwich that is basically a Reuben-style sandwich, but instead of the, the meat, uh, you have you substitute it for cod or for any type of uh, fish or haddock. And it's made the same exact way, which you can find in many restaurants on Cape Cod, Mr. Mason, even though you're from Cape Cod and you don't know that sandwich. Sounds awesome. Um, I've never heard of it. Wait, but what else is in a Reuben? Well, Miss Kaji, let me tell you what is in a regular Reuben sandwich. Um, You're going to have some Thousand Island dressing. You're going to have some sauerkraut. You're going to have some corned beef. And you'll put that on some marble rye bread. Okay, so that's super good. But instead of the corned beef, you're going to put um, a cut of fish on there and you grill that up all in a pan now. Oh, and Swiss cheese. Now it sounds gross, but you have to try it. It is so, so, so good. I love sandwiches. They're my fave. I love how you referred to it as I had to grow up and get grown up tastes. (laughs) (laughs) I have an unpopular opinion about fish. It goes back to like a, like a weird moment in my childhood where I was tricked that someone told me it was chicken, but it was actually fish. And now I literally can't even smell cooked fish. Like, it makes me feel sick. I love fish. I'm so sad for you. 
I can't do fish and cheese. Like, I don't know what that is, but I can't. That just sounds weird to me. So with, for me, for a sandwich, well, granted, I, I love Thanksgiving sandwiches, but my favorite sandwich right now is the Cowboy Burger from Country Whip. And I tried to get one the other night, but their phones just were incessantly busy. It was in, in crazy. Couldn't get through. But it's similar to like a Whiskey River barbecue burger that you'd get at Red Robin. So you have the onion rings, you, you have your barbecue sauce kind of stuff on it. You get a little bit of cheese and you got bacon. But the one that Country Whip comes on a Portuguese pop, which makes it so much better. So that, that right now is my, my fave sandwich. Not that I really turned down many sandwiches except for that Cape Ruben, that Langell just <laughs> You've never had it. You can't make that judgment. Grown-up taste. I don't like sauerkraut. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of flavors there, Lynch. I don't know. Damn. <laughs> Everything on that sandwich sounds amazing except for the marble rye. I can't do rye bread. I can't do it. Whatever. Why can't we hear what your sandwich is? I'm going to get so much crap for the sandwich because it's a little bougie. Um, but talk about grown-up tastes. My favorite sandwich is um, fig spread and goat cheese. On, uh. like, <laughs> yeah, on like a grilled crispy panini. It's so good. I have fig spread in the fridge right now. I want to make it. Where do you even get those things? Do you have to go to like hipster general stores in the middle of Westport? Like where do you get yeah, fig spread sure. and goat cheese? Um, you can get fig spread and goat cheese at Market Basket. So it's called the cheese aisle, Mister Mason. The cheese aisle. Um, it's not it doesn't even have an aisle. There's like an island of cheese things um available for your selection. No, it's just oh yeah, che- cheese island's not in my price range. I usually walk right by that. <laughs> cheese island. Like, that was the best sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> the Jurassic Park of cheese, cheese island. That's amazing. No, um, I I get that it's a ridiculous sandwich. I mean, like many of you, I am a fan of the sandwich, and I'm not going to turn down a lot of sandwiches. Um, I love, you know, a, like a plain bologna and cheese sandwich if we want to go on the other end of the spectrum. But fig spread and goat cheese, man, that's where it's at. I can attest that that is a delicious combination. I'll just say it. You have to say that? You have to say that, yeah. That's <laughs> <one. laughs> what you signed up for. Sandwiches make up a large portion of my favorite foods. Same. <laughs> I pretty much always want a sandwich. And like now, but I'm out of bread and so you can't have one. Um, but my favorite sandwich is definitely a burger with bacon, egg, and cheese on it. Um, that's like a dinner sandwich, though. But if it was lunch, it would be a turkey avocado BLT. Ooh. Oh, those are very good sounding sandwiches. Those are those are like home runs. No avocado. I love sandwiches. No sandwiches. avocado, man. That's like the level up. You don't put avocado on a fig and goat cheese sandwich, right? I would not. No. You have to eat that with three scarves on. All right. If you do so that. I <laughs> thought about this for a very long time, and I think. What people miss is like the time of day that you're going to have the sandwich. And for me, my favorite time of day is breakfast. And and anyone who ever tells me that they don't like breakfast food is just like insane. Like it is the best part of the day and it's the most fun. And I don't care who you are. You go into a restaurant, you know, if you're going for breakfast, you know exactly what's going to be on the menu and you know, it's going to be fantastic. Um, You know, and I, and I got to tell you the breakfast sandwich you can have it so many different ways. You have it with your favorite bagel. You have it with an English muffin. 
you want to go with the Portuguese sweet bread, go for it. It is so, so good. And then you get your favorite protein, guys. You can mix it up. Let's do bacon. <laughs> let's do sausage. Heck, let's do turkey sausage. Let's do turkey bacon. Let's do, nope. You know what? Vegetarians out there who are listening, I'll go <laughs> egg and cheese all day, man. Like, let's do it. That is the OG breakfast sandwich is the best. I'm telling you. You guys don't know what you're missing. Yeah, and don't even get me started with, like, condiments. Like, you can go, like, that's a whole separate, like, you can just... <laughs> types of cheese. Yeah, types of cheese. Oh, man, you can go nuts, man. How's the, how's the fig spread on the breakfast sandwich? Uh, I have not tried that yet, but I... It's I, so good, because then you get that sweet and that savory. I'm just telling you, right now, I feel like that meme where I'm sitting on the table, and it has the sign that says, like, change my mind. Change my mind, breakfast sandwich is the best. <laughs> you're pretty passionate about it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, those sandwiches all sound pretty good, except I'm not so sure about the Cape Cod Reuben. You guys are so judgy. So I guess, judgy. Just I, guess I have to try. Be an adult and try something different. And if you don't like it, I don't it, like you fish. Can I don't like fish. I'm not eating fish. Can't oh, because you have a scary fish, but, a little scary fish there's trauma no experience? Fish, there is no fish in a fig spread and goat cheese sandwich. Are you going to try it? I don't know. I don't know how to do that. Like, is it just bread with a little bit of layers of things in the middle? Like, how, when, what does even go? Like, when we're, when we're not in quarantine anymore, I will make you one because you have to have it like hot and crispy off the panini griddle. Guys, we should do this. We should make each other sandwiches after this. Yes. I'm. I'm game. No, no right. I. One hundred percent. I'm game. You could make them, and you can just like leave them in your mailbox. We can drive by and pick them up. You know. <laughs> Social distance sandwiches. Social <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I think this will wrap up the second episode of the D Block Talk. Um, just a couple academic reminders to make sure that you know that quarter three has ended, quarter four has begun. Um, and for quarter four, for your performing arts classes, uh, we are going to be giving you a end of year performance assessment, much like what we did in the middle of the year, where you had to play a piece for the adjudicators. Um, so each ensemble, class, chorus, band, jazz workshop, orchestra, they will give you the specific information. Um, and just make sure that you adhere to those deadlines and make sure you're faithfully doing these assignments um, and try to uh, to make sure you, you take time for yourselves and, and relax, and but also practice. For your other classes that are not ensemble-based, make sure you are checking Teams or whichever method your teacher is communicating with you so that you can get the most up-to-date assignments. And if you are in need to, you can bring your grade up for quarter four so that you can ensure you are receiving credit for all of your hard work during this school closure. That's it. Cue the theme song. See you guys next week. Bye. 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 Bye.